Friday the 17th of November. It's the Feast of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, our happiness lies in you alone. For those wealthy in goods and prestige, grant them freedom of heart to devote all they have to your service. For those who've been seduced by the desire for money or social position, let them see the bounty of the gospel. For those who have left all things to follow you, Keep them faithful in their desire to seek and to serve you. O God of all good, you gave St. Elizabeth of Hungary the true wealth of holiness. Through her example and intercession, grant us the freedom that comes from a renunciation of self through Christ our Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning as we close out the last full week before the Thanksgiving holiday hits next weekend. Turns everything inside out and upside down. Well, we're here to help you make it through on a Friday. I'm Matt Sway. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And Travis has a video feed up and running. If you want to know what this whole thing looks like, go to sunrisemorningshow.com, click on the show notes, and you can find the video. Dr. Benjamin Lewis will be with us with more translations uh, from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. These are fascinating conversations, great insights into how we ended up saying the words that we do at Mass. Dr. Jared Stout will discuss how the Mass is eternity breaking into time. We'll talk to Ken Craycraft in this month where we continue to pray for the holy souls. Uh, Ken's going to have some songs that he wants to look at uh, from the popular folk and other musical genres that tell us about how other people think about death and what the church has to say in response to that. And then we'll also look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. so please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning, Israel and Hamas appear to be negotiating a deal to free dozens of hostages held by Hamas. The deal would reportedly free 50 women and children in return for Palestinian prisoners being held in Israeli jails. Reports say the exchange would coincide with a three-day ceasefire. The reports have not been confirmed by either side yet. Meanwhile, the war between Israel and Hamas continues. Mark Mayfield reports. Israeli forces stormed Gaza's main hospital and said they found weapons and a laptop with a photo of a kidnapped Israeli soldier on it. This comes as President Biden says he doesn't believe the war will end unless there's a two-state solution. It's also as Israel is ordering Palestinians to leave four towns in the southern part of Gaza. Over 12,000 people have been killed since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. I'm Mark Mayfield. A stable relationship between the U.S. and China is good for the world economy. That's what President Biden told government officials and industry leaders during the APEX CEO summit in San Francisco yesterday. Biden said he had constructive talks with Chinese President Xi Jinping on Wednesday, and the two leaders agreed to resume military-to-military channels to to reduce the risk of miscommunication. He added, however, the U.S. and Beijing have real differences when it comes to leveling the economic playing field 
and protecting intellectual property. United Auto Workers members at General Motors have approved a new contract with the automaker. The vote was close with 55% voting in favor of the deal and 45% voting no. Ford and Stellantis workers also approved the deal. UAW President Sean Fain will give an update on the vote totals later today. Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood and said, no period has been devoid of martyrs, including in our own day. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. In his speech, the Pope discussed three important aspects of holiness. Its power to unify, its place in the family, and martyrdom. Martyrdom, the Pope said, is a powerful model of saintliness, of which we have had many examples throughout the history of the Church. There is no period which has been devoid of martyrs, he stressed, including our own day. In particular, Pope Francis focused on the case of Asia Bibi, a Pakistani Catholic sentenced to death for blasphemy, who was imprisoned for many years before eventually being released and moving to Canada. Nearly nine years of Christian witness, Pope Francis underlined, and there are many, many like her who testify, he said, to faith and charity. Pope Francis's address also touched on two other important aspects of holiness, its place in everyday family life and its power to unify communities. Holiness, the Pope said, implies charity, which in turn unites us with our brothers and sisters. When God calls an individual, he said, it is always for the good of all, as in the case of Abraham and Moses, Peter and Paul. The final subject of Pope Francis's address was holiness as it occurs in families. As an example, the Pope presented the Polish couple Joseph and Victoria Ulmer and their seven children. They attempted to save Jewish families from the Nazis by hiding them in their home, but were all eventually caught and murdered. This Polish family, Pope Francis said, reminds us that sanctification is a community journey and can never be made alone, but only as part of a team. I'm Joseph Tullock. Pope Francis yesterday met with a group of Hispanic priests who minister in the United States as well. They're in Rome for a conference. Vatican News reports the Holy Father encouraged them in their pastoral work, their prayer and self-abandonment to Christ. And he said to them, quote, in every tabernacle, in every consecrated ciborium, we see the cross and it asks us, can we do something to alleviate Christ's suffering today? End quote. The Ravens kicked off week 11 with a 34-20 takedown of AFC North rival Bengals. And Thursday night football, Lamar Jackson threw for 264 yards and two touchdowns as Baltimore remains atop the AFC North at 8-3. and three. And a pair of dynamic Major League Baseball players earned unanimous Most Valuable Player honors on Thursday night. Angels two-way superstar Shohei Otani took home the American League Award, while the Braves' Ronald Acuna Jr. captured the National League trophy. So congratulations to them. It's scary to think about if either one of those dudes was healthy for a whole season. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know it. It would, be, it would be insane. I mean, those two, I feel like those are pretty... If, you're gonna, if you want to argue with that, you can take it up with the Quest in Atlanta. I'm pretty sure they know that Ronald Acuna... Is the uh, is the NL MVP, and I mean, the, if you're gonna if you're gonna argue with the Shohei thing, you got to argue with him both as a pitcher and as a batter. Yeah, um, let me see the stats that they gave me here. First player Whatever it was it said they they showed like Shohei was leading his team like by July in like, led, every pitching and hitting category. He led the AL in home runs with 44, okay. and sported a 3.14 ERA over 132 innings. I mean, yeah. Paul Lockman's given the slow clap back there. It's pretty good. You just, you just got to acknowledge. It is. It's pretty good. It is eight minutes past the hour.
The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it is always great to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy to take a look at translation questions in the life of the church, and especially in the liturgical life of the church. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm very excited to talk about St. Josephat, who is not someone that we get to talk about very much, but he That's shows right. up. And uh, in this case, uh, you wanted to look at a prayer after communion related to St. Josephat. Now, these prayers after communion are, I mean, if, if anybody's going to tune out a part of the Mass, this is often when a lot of people tune out parts of the Mass because they're often engaged in their own personal prayer. I know I am. Sure, but sure. how how does uh, Saint Josephat get recognized in this prayer of communion, and um, what do we what do we hear about him in it? Uh, but the twelfth of November is the memorial of Saint Josephat, and so after communion, this is the prayer, and it 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 beautifully points to some aspects of his life, which we'll talk about once I read it. So this is the prayer after communion, which you you may or may not hear if you're engaged in your own personal prayer after receiving communion. May this heavenly table, O Lord bestow on us a spirit of fortitude and peace so that following saint josephat's example we may willingly spend our lives working for the honor and unity of the church through christ our lord all right so honor and unity jump out to me immediately because i know just a little bit about the story of saint josephat Yeah, so it's interesting because, yeah, that pair, honor and unity, is sort of parallel to another pair at the beginning of the prayer. Bestow on us a spirit of fortitude and peace. And there's an interesting connection between fortitude and honor and peace and unity that's illustrated in the life of St. Josephat, who was an Eastern Rite Catholic monk, priest, and bishop, and a martyr, so this is in this difficult period where uh, he was living in a largely orthodox uh, environment, uh, and there was a lot of concern that anybody who was uh, in union with Rome was going to sort of lose their Eastern Christian traditions and their liturgy, and they were going to sort of be made to conform to a, a Western Latin Roman uh, form of Christianity. Um, but St. Josephat was a, a beautiful witness to how you can be Catholic and still preserve your Eastern Christian traditions and, and liturgy. So he was uh, he was martyred for that. Um, and so he laid down his life in peace uh, and also in courage and fortitude um, for the sake of Christian unity Um And so um, we're praying that God would bestow on us that same spirit of fortitude and peace so that we could both bring honor to the church and unity to the church. So I know you're a liturgical translator, but you're also a human being. Mm -hmm. And this appeals to me in so many ways uh, because you and I both came from a Wesleyan Christian tradition and we both That's became right. Catholic. And there's this question that sometimes happens, and I joke about this with some of my friends who are still Wesleyans and, and you know, in the United Methodist tradition, like, oh, well, I guess you forgot everything that John Wesley ever taught you, everything you cared about. And I'm like, we sing John Wesley hymns at Christmas. Give, you know, like, <laughs> get off our back a little bit. But this yeah. idea of the fortitude to follow Christ towards uh, his body, the church, but also the desire for unity 
who don't understand this, at least not yet, I mean, that is a very, very large part of my story. I know it's a very large part of yours. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful example St. Joseph Act gives us of how you can be firm in your convictions and yet peaceful and willing to, to lay down your life and not fight others who might disagree with you, even to the point of wanting to kill you. Yeah, especially those who come from, you know, who are still in the world that you came from. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is where it gets really dicey. But I want to know, because you've got a story related to the altar of St. Josephat at St. Peter's Basilica. Fill me in on this one. Yeah, so St. Josephat is a sort of unofficial patron of ISEL because we started, uh, ISEL had its beginning at the Second Vatican Council. And uh, it was October 2nd, 1963. So it was the second session of the Second Vatican Council. Uh, and the, the council was meeting in St. Peter's Basilica in the main part of the church, the nave. But they were uh, in between meetings, they were having coffee breaks. And so they set up little coffee bars uh, near some of the side altars and the side aisles. And one of those coffee bars was set up near the altar of St. Basil, uh, and as you may know, St. Josephat was a monk of the Order of St. Basil. And so uh, it's actually the month after that the, the bishops met at this coffee bar uh, that his relics were deposited beneath the altar of St. Basil. But it was in October of 1963 that four English-speaking bishops met at the coffee bar during one of the coffee breaks of the Second Vatican Council to discuss having a more formal meeting with all of the English-speaking bishops' conferences uh, to to begin this collaborative work of translating these liturgical texts into English. So that was really the beginning. Uh, October 2nd, 1963 was the informal beginning of ISEL, and it was right there at the altar of St. Basil. One month later, the relics of St. Josephat were deposited underneath that altar. So it's now also called the altar of St. Josephat. And it's a beautiful example. The Pope insisted that his relics be brought to St. Peter's because he was such a champion of unity with Rome. He wanted this martyr's relics to be near St. Peter's relics as a sign and a symbol of, of his unity and his closeness with St. Peter. Well, that is an awesome story. That is so cool. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people point to, you know, sort of the Wikipedia stories of people like when was something founded? Well, when the business, you know, agreement was sent in the 501c3, whatever was like, came right. through. but how do they really start? They really start like over coffee somewhere. And how cool somewhere. is it that you guys started <laughs> yeah. it at the altar of St. Basil? That is, that is awesome. Um, well, if our listeners want to connect with you, Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Find out more about ISIL, the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. Maybe even get your Divine Office hymnal, because I know we've got a lot of Divine Office people uh, listening right now. How do they do so? Yeah, you can find us on the web at icelweb.org. And we've got contact information there. You can reach out to us by phone or email. And the Divine Office hymnal is being published right now by GIA. Very cool. Well, we've got it all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Of course, if you're looking for Christmas gifts and you know somebody who loves the Liturgy of the Hours, that Divine Office hymnal is like, I mean, it's like a slam dunk right there. 
It's a quarter past. We've got headlines next. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Israel and Hamas, it is being reported, appear to be negotiating a deal to free dozens of women and children being held hostage by Hamas. But as it is now, the war continues to rage on between the two. Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood, saying no period has been devoid of martyrs, including in our own day. And during their General Assembly this week, the U.S. bishops voted to advance the cause for beatification of Servant of God, Isaac Thomas Hecker. We can talk about that at a later date when we've got more time than yeah. like one and a half minutes mm-hmm. to discuss things. But I well, wanted to follow up on something. Complicated story there, yeah. It's a complicated story. Uh, I wanted to follow up on something that we discussed earlier this week with Marty Arlinghouse from the Serenelli Project. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible work to help uh, prisoners— uh, you know, have conversion experiences, have the resources they need to live life fully in Christ, uh, working on rehabbing a church that's been closed down in Cincinnati, creating this whole monastic community around it. So um, this is a sports story, Anna Mitchell, and people might not realize it mm-hmm. um, because, uh, well, I mean, there'll be some people who are very much focused in our Kansas City and Philadelphia listening audiences on wow. the fact that after a bye week, the Kansas City Chiefs have got the Eagles Okay, yeah, and let me just say, folks, um, pull up your video feed of the Sunrise Morning Show because I'm going to sh- do you put wait? Up do you have picture. evidence? I'm going to put up a picture on my phone as you tell the story. Okay, so turns out that uh, the Serenelli Project, pretty cool effort to help prisoners live in monastic community, work and pray, or at Labora together. It turns out that uh, Kansas City Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker 
found out about this somehow and was like, why don't you let me help you? And so he connected with Marty, and we didn't get to. I can't even believe this didn't come up in my conversation. I can't with believe Marty. it didn't either. Like there I thought so that this is what you were going to be so into. So Annie's holding up Marty, like grinning, holding one of Harrison Butker's cleats. He just like okay. So cleat. I'm like, I don't I'm think he even s- warned you when he brought it in. No, I'm like I'm sitting in our office manager's office just chatting, and in walks Marty with this shoe in his hand, and I'm like. Hey, and he just came in to show it. Like no big deal. Like, I got hey, Harrison Butker's cleat. Yeah, signed by Harrison Butker, who gave a bunch of money to help me. Like, but do I just a love corporal work of mercy. Okay, can I just take a prideful moment for a second? Like, I it. love that Marty Arlinghouse thought to come in to show me. I mean, of all the places me. he could have showed that shoe off. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Check out I the Serenella so Project honored. at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Harrison. If you're looking to think outside the box to find new customers, you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. A biblical figure only vaguely familiar to most of us is Tobit. We read his story in one of those special books that belongs to the church's Old Testament. It is not found in the Hebrew Bible. Tobit was a captive, taken prisoner from his home after Galilee was captured by the Assyrians. He had plenty of reason to feel sorry for himself and complain about his plight, but instead, Tobit always reached out to others. Then things seemed to have become too heavy for him. He was blind and even became mistrustful, doubting the word of his wife about a generous gift that was given to them by a grateful neighbor. At this point, Tobit prays to die, and that is when God begins to set in motion a whole series of wonderful experiences that open up a new life for Tobit, including healing from his blindness. In the end, Tobit discovered that God's plans were far better than his own. It was a good thing God did not listen to his prayer to die. We can truly say Tobit was a good man who got even better. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stow. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. Good morning, Dr. Stow. Good morning. It's good to have you back. We're continuing to unpack the gift that we have as Catholics in the Divine Liturgy, the Mass. And you write in the book, Dr. Stout, through the Mass, eternity breaks into time. What does that mean? Well, when we go to Mass, you know, what we see, you know, guys standing up on the altar wearing funny clothes and people are standing up, sitting down, kneeling, you know, we don't necessarily see very much. But, you know, the, the word revelation means to pull back the veil. Mm. 
And it's actually in the book of Revelation where we see what's really happening at the Mass. Um, and that is we are joining in the heavenly worship. You know, someone might even ask, like, where's the Mass in the Bible? And the answer is, it's there, <laughs> Revelation 4 and 5. I mean, you see exactly what's happening at the Mass unveiled. That is, we are worshiping the Lamb who was slain, who is before the throne of the Heavenly Father. There are priests who are prostrate down before the Lamb. The prayers of all the saints are rising up like incense. Um, and there are, you know, these lighted torches, just like our candles and the same prayers, like, you know, holy, 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 and amen are, are being offered up. So we are joining into something that fundamentally transcends just, you know, that one moment in time. We are drawn into the Paschal mystery itself, Jesus's death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And we're drawn into the heavenly worship, which is eternal. And so all the different acts of worship and all the masses throughout the world in the past, present, future are all drawn together into the perfect heavenly worship. It's unreal. I, well, I say unreal, but it's actual reality, which is what is so incredible about what you are saying. But this is not like something that the apostles just sort of created out of, out of nothing after the ascension. I mean, there are Old Testament roots to what you're saying here. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, we have to say, why does Jesus appear as a lamb who was slain yeah. in heaven? And that's because he is the new Passover, right? We pass over from death into life, not only because Jesus died, but the Passover lamb had to be eaten. And so we see that even in heaven, he's saying, here I am, eat me, right? I am the one who gives you life. But even beyond that, when we look at the worship that was given to Moses at the time of the Passover, um, Hebrews tells us that the tabernacle and all the furnishings of the tabernacle were a sign of the heavenly tabernacle, meaning that, you know, God is dwelling in heaven. He has a kind of heavenly court and his people are assembled around him, all of the angels and, and the saints. And when we go to meet him, and of course that was first for the people of Israel in that tabernacle, that tent, or now when we go into a Catholic church and we see a similar arrangement, we are coming into that court and that he is making himself present to us. And so when you look at the, the way that the, the tabernacle is kind of set up as the new Ark of the Covenant and you, you have the altar upon which the one sacrifice of Christ is made present to become our sacrifice, and you, you even look at the division of the, like the narthex, the, the entry area, the nave, and the sanctuary. It, it still follows that same pattern um, that the Israelites had in the desert. And God told Moses right, to follow this pattern. And then Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews tells us that that pattern is the pattern of heaven. And so when you walk into church, you're like entering into a whole nother realm. Wow. And so... In the book of Revelation, John is invited, come up and see. And, and John is drawn up into the heavenly worship. But the reason why that happened to John is so that when we walk into a church, we'll know the same thing is happening to us. It's like we're, we're stepping out of our normal time and space when we go into the Catholic church. 
and we are entering into God's heavenly court. And when we uh, attend mass, we are drawn into the perfect heavenly worship of the lamb who was slain. So incredible. But what does this have to do with creating a Catholic culture, Dr. Stout? Well, you know, it's, it's tempting when we think about culture to just put the emphasis on ourselves. Mm. If we just did this, we could bring about renewal in our society. If we just have this new program, our parish will be revitalized. And we have to continually remind ourselves, this is about God. God reigns in heaven, true. Uh, but he can reign here. And he's not interested in, you know, setting up his own government. He's not interested in the United Nations. He's interested in your heart. And when you come into the church, you are entering into his heavenly court. And he wants to reign in you. And he can change your life, your family, your work, your community. And through us, yes, even our civilization, right? All of it flows out from our hearts first, right? That, that is the place where he will dwell on earth. We become his tabernacle, his tent in, in this world. But it's about his grace. He can do everything through us, but we can't do it ourselves. And so building a Catholic culture is not about our efforts. It's about God leading and guiding us if he reigns in and through us. That's the key thing. And when he does reign in us, he can reign through us um, in the world, and he, he will begin to renew things. Wow. We've been talking to Dr. Jared Stout. We'll leave it there for today. The book is called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. I cannot recommend it more highly. You can find it from Tan Books. You can also find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Stout, really appreciate this conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Multiple reports are saying a hostage deal may be in the works between Israel and Hamas. The deal would free 50 women and children for the return of Palestinian prisoners, reportedly. The exchange would coincide with a three-to-five-day ceasefire. The reports have yet to be officially confirmed by either side. So the war between Israel and Hamas is raging on. Mark Mayfield has more. Israeli forces stormed Gaza's main hospital and said they found weapons and a laptop with a photo of a kidnapped Israeli soldier on it. This comes as President Biden says he doesn't believe the war will end unless there's a two-state solution. It's also as Israel is ordering Palestinians to leave four towns in the southern part of Gaza. Over 12,000 people have been killed since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. I'm Mark Mayfield. The patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem are calling on their congregations to forego any unnecessarily festive activities during the Advent and Christmas season, saying, in these ways, we believe we will be standing in support of those continuing to suffer, just as Christ did with us in his incarnation. They say, we encourage our priests and the faithful to focus more on the spiritual meaning of Christmas and their pastoral activities and liturgical celebrations during this period, with all the focus directed at holding in our thoughts our brothers and sisters affected by this war and its consequences, and with fervent prayers for a just and lasting peace for our beloved Holy Land. Moreover, they say during this season of giving, we also invite the faithful to advocate, pray, and contribute generously as they are able for the relief of the victims of this war, 
and for those in dire need, as well as to encourage others to join them in this mission of mercy, end quote. Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood, saying no period has been devoid of martyrs, including in our own day. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. In his speech, the Pope discussed three important aspects of holiness, its power to unify, its place in the family, and martyrdom. Martyrdom, the Pope said, is a powerful model of saintliness, of which we have had many examples throughout the history of the Church. There is no period which has been devoid of martyrs, he stressed, including our own day. In particular, Pope Francis focused on the case of Asia Bibi, a Pakistani Catholic sentenced to death for blasphemy, who was imprisoned for many years before eventually being released and moving to Canada. Nearly nine years of Christian witness, Pope Francis underlined, and there are many, many like her who testify, he said, to faith and charity. Pope Francis's address also touched on two other important aspects of holiness, its place in everyday family life and its power to unify communities. Holiness, the Pope said, implies charity, which in turn unites us with our brothers and sisters. When God calls an individual, he said, it is always for the good of all, as in the case of Abraham and Moses, Peter and Paul. The final subject of Pope Francis's address was holiness as it occurs in families. As an example, the Pope presented the Polish couple Joseph and Victoria Ulmer and their seven children. They attempted to save Jewish families from the Nazis by hiding them in their home, but were all eventually caught and murdered. This Polish family, Pope Francis said, reminds us that sanctification is a community journey and can never be made alone, but only as part of a team. I'm Joseph Tullock. Pope Francis also yesterday addressed participants in an international congress on Venerable Maria of Agreda. Vatican News reports the Holy Father focused on three lessons that she offers the church and humanity, silence, mysticism, and mission. He said contemplatives teach us the joy of living only for him through asceticism, abandonment, and fidelity. The gag order against Donald Trump in his civil business fraud trial is temporarily suspended. Brian Shook reports. A New York appeals judge granted a request by Trump's legal team for an interim stay of the gag order, arguing it violates Trump's freedom of speech. The former president has been fined twice for apparent violations of the order, which the judge put in place following Trump's comments attacking the judge and his law clerk. I'm Brian Shook. United Auto Workers members at General Motors have approved a new contract with the automaker. The vote was 55% voting in favor of the deal and 45% voting no. Ford and Stellantis workers also approved their deal. UAW President Sean Fain will be giving an update on the vote totals a little later today. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. 
Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, why do we receive the gift of understanding? We receive the gift of understanding to enable us to know more clearly the mysteries of faith. At our baptism, faith was implanted into us as little seeds. The gift of understanding helps us to penetrate the mystery of the things we already believe. We say in Mass the Creed, I believe in one God, the Father, and so on. And what the gift of understanding helps us to do is to see what that really means. If at a time you've been singing a hymn and suddenly you feel you understand it in a new way, that's the Holy Spirit speaking within you because he is the teacher of all truth. These mysteries we can never know by reason, but only by the teaching of God. So let us pray, come Holy Spirit, fill my mind with the gift of understanding so that what I believe by faith I may now penetrate deeply with your help. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political and occasional cultural analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday Visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. How are you today? I am doing fine and excited to get to talk to you about this topic. You know, uh, the the immortal words of Elton John. (sighs) Do you know what I'm about to quote? Sad songs, they say so much. And uh, this yes. <laughs> this can be especially true um, as you write over at Our Sunday Visitor when it comes to songs in the popular culture even about death and dying. And, and that's what we're going to be discussing today. So first off, Ken, what does, what does the church teach us about death? Well, death is very much at the center of uh, Catholic spiritual life and ca- Catholic prayer life. We know we are going to die, and therefore, and it's really simple, we need to prepare for death. Of course, death is not natural to the human person. We weren't born to die, but because of sin, uh, we are consigned to death, a choice that we, we have made as, as humanity. Uh, and therefore, we uh, are called to remember our death. The memento mori is, is one of the most uh, classic and most honored traditions of the church. Remember, you will die. It's a mm-hmm. it's a universal perennial admonition because <laughs> death doesn't discriminate, and and so we're called to commemorate or to commemorate the dead, to pray for the dead, but also to prepare for our own death. And of course, the month of November is the date is the month that we think about that the most. So uh, the the church's teaching on death is 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 at the center of of spirituality and prayer life. And of course, as we'll talk about at the end, there's more to it than that. But uh, but that's that's the way we begin. We'll begin this discussion, but just by noting that uh, death itself, the preparation for death, the prayer for the dead, is at the center of uh, Catholic uh, prayer and spiritual life. 
And one thing that I've been reflecting on, and I think it comes out in in the songs uh, that you highlight in this piece at Our Sunday Visitor, is when someone dies, I think you you get a greater sense of of what it means to be the body of Christ and when the the when yes. one suffers the whole body suffers because you feel that loss you feel it and it's okay to grieve um because yes. this is not natural as you were saying yeah that's a really good point and the first song that i highlight the first two that i highlight speak to that but especially the first one a song called dust by Lucinda Williams, who I consider to be the greatest female singer-songwriter in the history of American popular music, and I'm not alone in that. Wow. And the song, the song is from an album called Ghosts of Highway 20, and it's about uh, it's about the death of her mother. And um, she says that the anguish. I, I comment that the anguish is so overwhelming that, and, and then quoting her lyrics, you don't have to try to keep the tears back because you couldn't if you want to. You stare at the ceiling and wish the world would mend try to recall something better to no good end. And then the recurring chorus to the song is, even your thoughts are dust, even your thoughts are dust. Mm. So as you say, Annie, this is a person who is profoundly affected by the death of someone that she loves, so profoundly affected, in fact, that she's cried out all her tears. And all she can do is stare at the ceiling because her life has been so uh, so impacted by the death of another. So as you say, death doesn't just affect, obviously, the person who dies, but has a, has a very strong impact on the uh, persons who stay, so that even your thoughts are dust. And I think that's just an amazing lyric, because, of course, uh, you know, on Ash Wednesday, the priest says, uh, or the deacon, as he puts ashes on her head, from dust you came to dust you will turn. And here she says, even your thoughts are dust. And I think this is a powerful song. It speaks directly to what you're saying. Um, the grief that accompanies death uh, is is uh, is a spiritually uh, powerful uh, phenomenon uh, that that really takes us places sometimes that are very dark ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's that's not a, that's not that's not dissimilar from the second song that I treat, um, Patty Griffin's a wonderful song, "Long Ride Home." And pa this is a, a song from One Thousand Kisses, her album. Um, and, I got and a little weepy-eyed Ken lives. reading these lyrics. By yeah. the way, yeah. yeah. I, I know. Well, and, and listening to them makes you even more weepy-eyed because putting them to music, of course, is what they're meant to be done. Yes. Um, yeah, this is a song. This is a song about uh, a woman who, um, who, 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 who's just buried her husband and laments that she wasn't a better wife. And it is a very sad song. So she says, 40 years go by with someone lying in your bed, 40 years of things you wish you'd never said. Hard, how hard would it have been to say some kinder words instead? I wonder as I stare up at the sky turning red. And then she write, uh, writes about coming home from the funeral and it's after dark. And she says, headlights searching down the driveway. The house is dark as it can be. I go inside and all is silent and seems as empty as the inside of me. And as you say, it's a weeper, but it's a, it's a very powerful song. And you know, what Patty Griffin does in this song, Annie, is that she challenges us to be better lovers to the people around us, to love yeah. better our spouses, of course, but other people as well. And, uh, and, it, and it is a, it's a moving song and it's a, it's a motivating song. It reminds us that someday we won't have those we love and, and how have we treated them now and what will, what will be our feeling afterward? 
Will it be one of rich richness and fulfillment or will it be one of regret of the things that we didn't do? Yeah, absolutely. And that comes out, too, in this Jason Isbell song that you highlight. Yes, If We Were Vampires, a fascinating song. Isbell imagines that he and the person he sings to, which is his wife, uh, were vampires and therefore never died. And if they didn't die, it would it would affect the way they relate to one another. Uh, and so the, the lyric, uh, the chorus of the song is, it's knowing that this can't go on forever. Likely one of us will have to spend some days alone. Maybe we'll get 40 years together, but one day I'll be gone or one day you'll be gone. And so what do we do about that? Well, he says, I'll work hard till the end of my shift and give you every second I can find and hope it isn't me who's left behind. Mm. And there's another lyric that I don't quote in the piece uh, because it was getting too long, but he says that, you know, if we were vampires, we stand on the sidewalk and watch people smoke and we'd laugh at all their jokes because we, we knew that because we would see them, we would be smoking because we're immortal, we don't care. And we would, be, we would see them doing things that we know are futile because they're going to die. But the fact is we're not vampires. So we do do those things yeah. uh, that, that uh, are compelled by the knowledge that we're dying. Well, we're not vampires for sure, but death does not have the final word we know um, from our Lord and, of course, from yeah. from his church that there is still I mean, these there there there's this like real grief, obviously, at the loss. But then there's the hope of being reunited again, Ken. It's the hope of resurrection, isn't it? Yeah. And that hope of resurrection is a hope of being united. And that takes us to the last song that I treat in this piece. And that's, uh, of course, a Bob Dylan song of course. called Death, Death Is Not The End from the album Down In The Groove. Now, I will say if listeners um, uh, are fans of uh, Nick Cave and The Bad Seeds, he does an excellent cover of Death Is Not The mm -hmm. End. So that's another place to listen to the song. And Dylan says, uh, when the storm clouds gather around you and heavy rains descend, just remember that death is not the end. And there's no one there to comfort you with a helping hand to lend. Just remember that death is not the end. And then Dylan reminds us of the tree of life in the garden. Because wow. remember, Annie, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were banned from the garden. And the reason that they died in, in this, this very symbolic uh, narrative is that they could no longer eat from the tree of, the, uh, of life. And of course, what Christ does is makes the tree of life accessible to us again. And, and here's what Dylan says about that. Oh, the tree of life is growing where the spirit never dies and the bright light of salvation shines in dark and empty skies. Wow. So it's a moment, it's a, it's a month where we remember death, but as Catholics, we also remember that the bright light of salvation shines in dark and empty skies. So even when the, the sky is dark and empty, we know that we have the access to that tree of life through the merits of Christ, to the death and resurrection of Christ. It's a beautiful piece. Go read it over at OurSundayVisitor.com. We've been talking to Ken Craycraft. Ken, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. That was fun. It was fun. Very much so. All right, it's 14 till. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo joins us next. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. 
double. MetaShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the readings for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, our last Sunday of Ordinary Time in the year 2023. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. So for this weekend, Father, what would you say is the theme as we look ahead toward Christ the King? Well, there's two things to remember, and that is that the beginning of the liturgical year, traditionally it begins really with the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross on September 14th. Hmm. And from there, the Church begins its, its remote preparation for the Feast of Christmas. And so while we may be looking at next Sunday and the Feast of Christ the King and the beginning of Advent right now, we can say, hey, those things are already kind of prepared for liturgically in that we are living through a time of expectation even now. And we get that theme. We, we saw it last Sunday with the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins and the coming of the bridegroom. Um, and we get that theme continued on now this Sunday. And really, the epistle from St. Paul, which comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, kind of highlights this, it, it, reminding us, St. Paul saying, For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief at night. And then and, and concludes with these words, Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. So here, Annie, really, the church is, is saying, hey, what we normally think of during Advent has already begun. The, the, the Lord is coming. And the question is, will he find us prepared? All right. I see that when it comes to, uh, obviously, First Thessalonians, as you were just saying, and in, in the gospel, when we get the parable of the talents, which we'll talk about in a minute, but... The first reading, Father, is Proverbs 31 about a worthy wife. 
Why? Yeah. Well, I, I think actually regarding the what we just said about last Sunday's gospel kind of unlocks the, the, the lock, if you will, or, or turns on the light because the, the, the versions with their oil lamps, it turns on the light for us because, because the church has always been understood as the bride of Christ. And, of course, we're not talking about only the New Testament church, but the Old Testament church also. The church, the people of God, as, as a bride prepared for her husband. And the question in Proverbs is just that. And the church applies it in just this way. Uh, as, as Proverbs 31 talks about finding a worthy wife and what she looks like, what she's found um, uh, doing, her, her, basically chapter 31 says she's busy doing all the things necessary to take care of her home and prepare for her husband. And the question is, again, Will the Lord find his church ready for his coming? Uh, and here, liturgically, we're talking about, yes, the celebration of Christmas, but also liturgically the second coming. The two are understood together. And so St. Caesarea of Arles says the Catholic Church was not only preached after the coming of our Lord and Savior, beloved brethren, but from the beginning of the world. It was designated by many figures and rather hidden mysteries. And then he mentions Solomon. Truly Solomon says of her, who shall find a worthy wife? What does he mean? Who shall find? And here we should understand the difficulty, not the impossibility of finding her. The valiant woman is the church. And, and, and of course, the, the final thing I have to say about that is we're not talking about the church as something other, something at a distance something in a foreign city. It's you and I. It's, 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 it's the people of God. Will he find our hearts prepared when he comes? Will we be ready for the feast of the nativity so that Christ is born not only 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, but also today in our hearts? Yeah, and so when you apply that to the church today, you wonder, like, how do I do that Right. And I, I think one answer that we could have to that question comes to us in the gospel in Matthew 25, when Jesus tells the parable of the, the three servants who were entrusted with possessions of their master. One got five talents, another got two and another got one. The first two, of course, double that before the uh, before the master returns. The third one buries it. And, and Father, what, what lesson does the church take away from this? Yeah, well, I mean, we can just continue what we've been saying here, that the question is whether or not we will be like that, that, that woman in Proverbs. Will the Lord find us busy doing the work he has given us? And what work is that? But the charitable work of the Christian, the work of love, um, that, that Christ has given us through our baptism, our incorporation into him. Will he find us living for ourselves, or will he find us living for the other? Will he find us, um, in a way, having sacrificed our life for the sake of those he has placed in our life? And, and this is where, um, you know, even in the secular world, we live in a post-Christian world, but that post-Christian world is very much impacted by its Christian roots. Because we know 
even in the secular world, this is a time of charity. This is a time in which we are called not to live for ourselves, but for the sake of the other. And so this is a time the church says, hey, are, is, is, is the Lord going to find you busy about the most important things or about the trivial things that the world says are important today? Um, and, and so many opportunities now to uh, give of ourselves to those in need, to support the good works of the church, um, so that when the Lord comes, he finds us a bride prepared. Yeah, which we will hear a lot more about in next week's readings on the Feast of Christ the King as we continue in Matthew chapter 25. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, and Father, I know you got some cool Advent things coming up at the Institute. How can listeners get more information? Now, we have a ton of, you know, talk about being prepared. <laughs> get your soul prepared. Come visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. A lot of, of studies, programs to prepare the soul for the coming of Christ, instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Matt, just quickly, also over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, there's a video of Father saying, more traditional than turkey, cook Cornish game hens for Thanksgiving, and he has a little cooking video up on the uh, live events page, cooking with the Carnazzos, Cornish game hens. I mean, more traditional than the turkey is the original Thanksgiving celebration. Yeah, which was like, what, squirrel or something? I was going to say the mass, but Anna Mitchell, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Back with another full hour. It's three till. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. As we close out the work week on this Friday, November the 17th, let's pray a prayer to St. Joseph the Worker in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Joseph, by the work of your hands and the sweat of your brow, you supported Jesus and Mary and had the Son of God as your fellow worker. Teach me to work as you did, with patience and perseverance, for God and for those whom God has given me to support. Teach me to see in my fellow workers the Christ who desires to be in them, that I may always be charitable and forbearing towards all. Grant me to look upon my work with the eyes of faith, so that I shall recognize in it my share in God's own creative activity and in Christ's work of our redemption, and so take pride in it. When it is pleasant and productive, remind me to give thanks to God for it. And when it is burdensome, teach me to offer it to God in reparation for my sins and the sins of the world. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. And since it is her feast today also, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. And Travis has got a video feed up and running in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Go check it out. There's a great conversation going on in the chat right now about what people are thankful for ahead of Thanksgiving. Bill Schmidt's going to be along to talk about catechesis and storytelling this hour. Meredith Wilson will discuss a new children's book on the Mass and the Manger. We'll check in with Bobby Schindler as well. And uh, I want to know what you all are making for Thanksgiving, what you're thankful for, all that. Please do go over to our Facebook page, sunrisemorningshow.com, click on the Facebook link, and share some of your thoughts 
because I want to share some of them at the end of the hour. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. There are multiple reports saying that a hostage deal could be in the works between Israel and Hamas. The deal would reportedly free 50 women and children for the return of some Palestinian prisoners. The exchange would also coincide with a three to five day ceasefire. The reports have yet to be confirmed officially by either side. And so meanwhile, the war between Israel and Hamas is raging on. Mark Mayfield has more. Israeli forces stormed Gaza's main hospital and said they found weapons and a laptop with a photo of a kidnapped Israeli soldier on it. This comes as President Biden says he doesn't believe the war will end unless there's a two-state solution. It's also as Israel is ordering Palestinians to leave four towns in the southern part of Gaza. Over 12,000 people have been killed since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. I'm Mark Mayfield. The patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem are calling on their congregations to forego any unnecessarily festive activities during the Advent and Christmas seasons in order to stand strong with those suffering amid the war in the Holy Land. In a statement, they say, quote, in these ways, we believe we will be standing in support of those continuing to suffer just as Christ did with us in his incarnation in order that all of God's children might receive the hope of a new Jerusalem in the presence of the Almighty, where death shall be no more, neither mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away, end quote. A stable relationship between the U.S. and China is good for the world economy. That's what President Biden told government officials and industry leaders during the APEC CEO summit in San Francisco yesterday. Biden said he had constructive talks with Chinese President Xi Jinping on Wednesday, and the two leaders agreed to resume military-to-military channels to reduce the risk of miscommunication. He added, however, the U.S. and Beijing have real differences when it comes to leveling the economic playing field and protecting intellectual property. Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood and said no period has been devoid of martyrs, including our own day. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. In his speech, the Pope discussed three important aspects of holiness. Its power to unify, its place in the family, and martyrdom. Martyrdom, the Pope said, is a powerful model of saintliness, of which we have had many examples throughout the history of the Church. There is no period which has been devoid of martyrs, he stressed, including our own day. In particular, Pope Francis focused on the case of Asia Bibi, a Pakistani Catholic sentenced to death for blasphemy, who was imprisoned for many years before eventually being released and moving to Canada. Nearly nine years of Christian witness, Pope Francis underlined, and there are many, many like her who testify, he said, to faith and charity. Pope Francis's address also touched on two other important aspects of holiness, its place in everyday family life and its power to unify communities. Holiness, the Pope said, implies charity, which in turn unites us with our brothers and sisters. When God calls an individual, he said, it is always for the good of all, as in the case of Abraham and Moses, Peter and Paul. The final subject of Pope Francis's address was holiness as it occurs in families. As an example, the Pope presented the Polish couple Joseph and Victoria Ulmer and their seven children. They attempted to save Jewish families from the Nazis by hiding them in their home, but were all eventually caught and murdered. This Polish family, Pope Francis said, reminds us that sanctification is a community journey and can never be made alone, but only as part of a team. I'm Joseph Tullock.
Pope Francis also met yesterday with participants in an international congress on Venerable Maria of Agreda. Vatican News reports the Holy Father focused on three lessons that she offers to the church and humanity, silence, mysticism, and mission. He said contemplatives teach us the joy of living only for him through asceticism, abandonment, and fidelity. And he said in a world full of distractions, there is a dire need for silence in contemplation before the Lord, which leads us seamlessly to our final story. One of Disney's most popular franchises will be getting a fourth film. Disney Animation is apparently working on a story, Matt, for Frozen 4. Wait, is there a Frozen 3? I guess so. No. Wait. Let's see. Disney had previously confirmed a third installment is in the works. Oh, wait. So they're making a three and a four. Yeah. They've already announced four before three came out. Will Frozen be certified fresh? I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm spitballing this stuff, Anna Mitchell, trying to just. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I know this is another warmed over franchise. Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep on thinking about this. Um, mm-hmm. Why can't they just let it go? Mm-hmm. Anim- <laughs> Do you have anything better than what I've got? You're, no. If people could see the... This is the real reason you want to have the video feed for the Sunrise Morning Show, is to see Anna Mitchell just, like, straining against her internal gut reaction to actually laugh at these jokes. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. I got nothing. You got nothing? I got. I mean, I, you I just, just had I tried a bunch like three of, different you just had jokes. a bunch of stuff. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly call that nothing. Maybe we it could saw Anna Mitchell's heart. It may not have been. <laughs> okay, got her. All right. Okay. It's been. It's been. A, it's been a success. <laughs> it's been a successful Friday. This is the goal. This is the game. Some of you don't understand that this is a game. The game is that Anna Mitchell throws me a story. I don't know what's coming. I have to come up with something. That will amuse her. Her job is to not laugh. If she doesn't laugh, she wins. If I if I get her to laugh, I win. It worked at the end. It took a while. Yeah, we should have. Paul should have just cut both of our mics a long time ago. Yeah. Bill Schmidt now joining us from Onward.net. O n w o r d dot net is where you can find that. Bill is a great guy to talk to because uh, this whole conversation that he and I are usually in has to do with popular culture, messages, storytelling, and what is it in the world that people are looking for when they go to entertainment sources. So, Bill, welcome back. Uh, Good to be here. Thanks, Matt. So, somebody might mock stories like Pixar and Disney and people following pop culture icons and people following the drama behind NFL players and, you know, political storytelling. But we're part of the greatest story ever told, you and me, in salvation history. <laughs> so right. in some ways, do you think that Catholics have a unique opportunity to look at what it is that people are tapping into when they seek these stories out and maybe think about, like, how do we have the answer that they're actually looking for? I think that's right. Yeah, the uh, popular culture really offers up uh, a thin gruel, as you might say, uh, of stories that— uh, uh, are uh, really thin and vague and 
kind of unchanging, the kind of stuff that forms a catechism if you don't have any other catechism or set of principles underlying it, but it's the kind of catechism that uh, certainly can't match the organized and enduring and interconnected thoughts of the Catholic Church. So, first of all, thanks for mentioning thin gruel during a breakfast show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but well, second of all, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, as you mentioned this, I, I didn't even think about this until you just said it. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to, with the Thanksgiving holiday and heading towards Christmas, get all these different shows that have like stories and rewarmed stories. And they're all going to end with something where someone says, well, the real meaning of Christmas is X. Like, uh, how does this conversation maybe help us to highlight and understand, like, how to complete that thought for people who are really apparently looking for the real meaning of Christmas? Otherwise, it wouldn't be at the end of every single one of these shows. That, that's right. I, um, I call that the uh, spotlight evangelization that we need to conduct. People are naturally drawn to the spotlight that our films and video games and everything else uh, uh, offers us, but the spotlight is often narrow, and it's often the same old story. Like you say, uh, we've heard this story before, and my idea is that we have to reach people where they are. They're kind of staring at the spotlight, but then to... Uh, widen the aperture of that spotlight and say, oh, there's so much more here that that we can uh, come from from this, and also that we shouldn't uh, uh, be satisfied with the, uh, the uh, spotlighted story. Uh, it made an impression on us, but what we need is uh, something that, we'll, that we can take uh, outside the movie theater or beyond the screen and live out in, in a meaningful way. Most people are looking for that. They're looking for that happy ending, but it's, it's so often a, uh, a kind of pragmatic, utilitarian, and um, a frustrating ending. Well, it would take a guy with a background in decades of media to say, widening the aperture, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to this question, like that's really what's, I think, so frustrating to those of us who know what the real Christmas story is, who know what the real salvation history story is, so that when, you know, at the end of the show, someone says, well, the real meaning of Christmas is being with your friends and appreciating the ones that you love, like, we can be like, yeah, that's a major part of it, right? Like, we can affirm some right. of that. We can affirm some of those things, but how do we, I mean, I guess this is the, there's no way for you to answer this in a couple of minutes, but, I mean, how do we as a church understand that, what the secular culture is offering, you know, is sometimes awful, right? But sometimes they're getting at something that they just don't have the hooks to get into it. Like they just, they're aiming at something and they just can't, they can't grasp it. And we've got the thing. That's right. Yeah, well, uh, I think people are uh, emerging from the theater or whatever, realizing that what they've just been said is, Kind of, uh, uh, first of all, they're not sure that the definitions that they just learned aren't going to change in uh, a month or a year. And um, uh, catechists and all of us as, as parents, et cetera, we need to uh, engage with 
the young people especially, but with everybody, and say, hey, did you just see this movie or this Netflix show or whatever? And uh, what did you think of it? Uh, how do you think other people uh, made sense of it? And do you think that there should be something more? And most of the time, I bet people would say, yeah, it really didn't get at the truth, and it, at the truth that they presented really doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, when you sent me notes for this piece, and uh, of course this originally appeared on Father Spitzer's blog, and uh, I encourage people to go check it out through your site and through his as well. Uh, but you, you, you yeah. kind of expressed this idea at the beginning of it that people are attracted to story, and if we don't tell them what a great story we're got, we've got, they're going to go find a great story somewhere else, or they're going to right. find Frozen right. Four, right? <laughs> like they're going to find That's a story. Right. People want a story. Like, how do we maybe remind ourselves that what we're telling is not just a series of doctrines, but the, I mean, to to borrow the cliche, the greatest story ever told. Like, how do we get back to that? Well, we we do have to see our own faith as a set of stories, as basic as the Bible stories. And uh, one of my uh, favorite teachers growing up was a professor who said that we have to teach the catechism as a love story. And uh, it it includes uh, mystery and wonderment and awe, but it also uh, includes uh, suffering and pain the things that make life really meaningful and really relevant to genuine experiences. It really is the greatest story, and we need to show our own enthusiasm for that in more discussions and homilies and conversations. Well, and as it comes up so often, and uh, not to borrow too hard from John Mark Grody over at the Coming Home Network, but... You know, people contact us at the Coming Home Network all the time and say, oh, that's such a great story that this Protestant pastor who became Catholic had. I wish I had a story. And John Mark's like, no, you have a story. Like, everyone has a story. If you're going to Mass instead of sleeping in, there's a reason that you're doing that, and you have a story to tell about why that is. So thanks so much, Bill Schmidt. Exactly. Go tell it on a mountain or wherever you got (laughs) Uh, if our exactly. listeners want to connect with you and find your website, how do they do so? That's the onward.net and the billschmidt.substack.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great day. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. All the best. All right. Back after this, it's 16 past. Support is for MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. 
We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 past, here's Anna with headlines. There are multiple reports, as yet unconfirmed by either side, saying a hostage deal could be in the works between Israel and Hamas. The patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem are calling on their congregations to forego any unnecessarily festive activities during the Advent and Christmas seasons to stand with those who are suffering in this war. And Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood, saying no period has been devoid of martyrs, including our own day. Okay, so that plays directly into what Bill and I were just talking about, in that people are looking for good stories, and all they can come up with right now is Frozen 4. Like, we've got story after story Uh, after story. Matt, this is—I try to teach this to Freddie. So, Freddie loves Paw Patrol. Right. And I hate Paw Patrol. And he goes, Mom, why do you Anna hate Paw Patrol? Anna Mitchell now on record saying she hates Paw Patrol. And and Freddie goes, why do you hate Paw Patrol? And I said, Freddie, it's because they are one-dimensional characters and the plots are predictable. And I want you to be a better storyteller. So if you're going to watch television, I want you to see good storytelling so that you learn how to be a good storyteller. Do you, I don't know if you know this, but Zeke my 11-year-old, mm-hmm. is obsessed with movie and show tropes. He's like, hey, Dad, you know the trope about how X, Y, or Z. He, he's figured out, like, all the ways that people, like, do lazy storytelling. Yeah. This <laughs> is like, an important thing to understand. Like, you know the trope where, like, somebody goes on some wild ride at the end, they, like, just sort of stop, and they're like, that was awesome. Matt, this is or, a bigger conversation that we're going to have to have. Because we are going to have to have this. children need to understand good storytelling because it – very much has implications for their understanding of the faith. Um, we are, well, as Bill Schmidt would tell you just a moment ago, we're in the greatest story ever told. Yep. What is our part in it? Yep. It's 21 past. A lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit. 
on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. If there is one psalm that bears a great fascination for Christians, it is Psalm 22. Like many others, it is a call for the Lord's help. But Psalm 22 contains elements that seem particularly Christian. The opening verse of the psalm was quoted by Jesus on the cross. Later verses give details of the sufferings that Jesus endured. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my prayer, from the words of my cry. My heart is like wax, melting away within my bosom. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. They look on me and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Dale Paterka. Twenty-three minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Friday morning. Meredith Wilson is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. She's editor of a new children's book from Ascension Press, The Mass and the Manger, My Interactive Christmas Story. Meredith, good morning. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, You know, kids love the Christmas story for many, many reasons. I mean, obviously, there's the whole gift part of Christmas, which makes it exciting. But I think that the story of the nativity is is particularly appealing to children. I mean, you got the journey of Mary and Joseph, the angels and the shepherds, the animals, and oh, there's the baby Jesus as well. but for many children, I imagine that it that it kind of stops there, that it's just a story that they get to get excited about at a particular time every year. So can you tell us how this book will connect them to a much more regular experience they have throughout the year with the Mass? Yeah, so true. Everybody loves Christmas, but how do you enter into that story And the Mass in the Manger is really about helping kids understand that the Eucharist is at the heart of Christmas. Mm. Um, And the full page, it has full page flaps that open out. Um, And so you see Mary and Joseph on the way to Bethlehem, and you really get immersed in the story. And then the whole page is a flap that opens out across your lap, and you see the main characters in the story who are a little boy and a little girl, and they're going to Mass. Mm. Uh, And it all culminates in the baby Jesus, who's the gift in the Eucharist, and the gift in the manger, um, and so kids discover that connection. Um, the whole book is written as this prayer that's in the heart of the little boy who's going to Mass, um, and they don't have names in the story, so every child can see themselves in the story and um, get the connection between baby Jesus in the manger and Jesus in the Eucharist. Yeah, I love the part. Um, it says, I'm in the middle of the book right here, but uh, and I'll try to hold up uh, the the uh, pictures for those of us, uh, for those of you who are watching on the video feed here. It says, but look, it's time. The angels sing, and through the night their voices ring. The shepherds rush to see, and then you open the flap, and you see them sitting there, or 
kneeling there at mass as father is is elevating the host at the the consecration it says the server rings his bells now too long loud and clear announcing you you're held up now for all to see i'm so amazed you've come for me my heart it bursts with joy i think this is so beautiful especially because um as if you look at the the images here you see the baby jesus right there at the foot of the altar as father is holding up jesus in the eucharist yes i love the illustrations in that book the picture that you're talking about the shepherds are looking up and they're just bathed in light and they're so amazed their mouths are hanging open and then you open the flap and it's the same and of course the children have their prayer their hands folded in prayer and they're very reverent but we just saw the shepherds and their mouths were hanging open so we know like how amazing this is yeah yeah, absolutely. So obviously, I mean, this is a great Christmas gift, Meredith, and a, and a great book for, for kids to take with them to, to Christmas Mass. But how would you say that this can actually help them with Advent, which is, of course, the season that we are looking ahead to right now? Yeah, it helps kids picture what it was like for Mary and Joseph to travel to Bethlehem and get ready for Jesus. And that helps kids realize that that's just like how they're actually getting ready for Mass. So those pictures show Mother Mary and St. Joseph looking for a place to stay and getting the stable ready. And, you know, we see them knocking at the door of the stable and Joseph's peering in and then, or knocking at the door of the inn and Joseph's peering in and then they're in the stable getting ready on harnessing the donkey. And as the kids open up the flaps, they realize, oh, that's just like what I'm doing as I'm going to Mass. And so we see a a uh, picture of the kids in the car driving through the starlit streets to midnight mass and peeking in the door of the church into the lit church um, and kneeling down and looking up at the altar with the candles lit on the altar. Um, so it's just a great way for kids to kind of enter into the joy that Mary and Joseph must have felt on their journey to meet Jesus at his birth and how we meet him in the Eucharist at Mass too. The altar is your crib now, King, and gathered round the people sing sweet melodies to show our love. Just like the angels up above, we worship and adore you. I think that the end of this book, and I'm hoping you can reflect on this a little bit, Meredith, is particularly good for young children who have not yet received their first Holy Communion. I mean, it's obviously great for kids who have received their first Holy Communion, but this idea of of guarding Jesus in our hearts and being like Mary and Joseph in that way. Yeah, totally. It's a great way for little kids, little ones, to participate in the Christmas Mass. The two main characters are a little boy who's probably old enough to be First Communion age and then his little sister who's not, and she's with him too. One of my favorite parts of the book is when the priest holds up the host at Mass and there's this beautiful picture of Mother Mary holding baby Jesus. And then you lift the flap and you see a close-up of the Holy Eucharist held up for adoration. And the words talk about how Mother Mary models our love for Jesus. And I'll just read a little bit of the text. It goes, Your mother hugs you as you rest. With all her heart, she loves you best, her Savior and her Lord. Like Mary, I will draw you close. And as the priest holds up the host, I know it's you. It's not a sign. And it goes on. So whether you're old enough to receive Holy Communion or you're still learning about it, you're just kind of drawn into that love and that gift. Yeah, whether you've received your first Holy Communion or not, you can still adore our Lord in the host. And we've been talking to Meredith Wilson, and uh, she's an editor at Ascension Press and worked on this book, The Mass and the Manger, written by Jennifer Sharp, illustrated by Gina Capaldi. 
and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, ascensionpress.com slash mass and manger. Meredith, it was such a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You bet. You can find all of our guests linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Multiple reports are saying a hostage deal could be in the works between Israel and Hamas. The deal would reportedly free 50 women and children in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. The exchange would also reportedly coincide with a three to five day ceasefire. The reports have yet to be officially confirmed by Israel or Hamas. Meanwhile, the war rages on between the two of them. Mark Mayfield reports. Israeli forces stormed Gaza's main hospital and said they found weapons and a laptop with a photo of a kidnapped Israeli soldier on it. This comes as President Biden says he doesn't believe the war will end unless there's a two-state solution. It's also as Israel is ordering Palestinians to leave four towns in the southern part of Gaza. Over 12,000 people have been killed since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. I'm Mark Mayfield. The patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem have said these are not normal times and so are calling on their congregations to forego any unnecessarily festive activities during the Advent and Christmas seasons in order to stand strong with those suffering amid the war in the Holy Land. In a statement, they say, in these ways, we believe we will be standing in support of those continuing to suffer just as Christ did with us in his incarnation. They said, we encourage our priests and the faithful to focus more on the spiritual meaning of Christmas in their pastoral activities and liturgical celebrations during this period, with all the focus directed at holding in our thoughts our brothers and sisters affected by this war and its consequences, and with fervent prayers for a just and lasting peace for our beloved Holy Land. Moreover, they say, during the season of giving, we also invite the faithful to advocate, pray, and contribute generously as they are able for the relief of the victims of this war and for those in dire need, as well as to encourage others to join them in this mission of mercy, end quote. In other news, United Auto Workers members at General Motors have approved a new contract with the automaker. The vote was 55 percent voting in favor of the deal with 45 percent voting no. Ford and Stellantis workers also approved the deal. UAW President Sean Fain will give an update on the vote totals later today. Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood, saying no period has been devoid of martyrs, including in our own day. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollock reports. In his speech, the Pope discussed three important aspects of holiness. Its power to unify, its place in the family, and martyrdom. Martyrdom, the Pope said, is a powerful model of saintliness, of which we have had many examples throughout the history of the Church. There is no period which has been devoid of martyrs, he stressed, including our own day. In particular, Pope Francis focused on the case of Asia Bibi, a Pakistani Catholic sentenced to death for blasphemy, who was imprisoned for many years before eventually being released and moving to Canada. Nearly nine years of Christian witness, Pope Francis underlined, and there are many, many like her who testify, he said, to faith and charity. Pope Francis's address also touched on two other important aspects of holiness, its place in everyday family life and its power to unify communities. Holiness, the Pope said, implies charity, which in turn unites us with our brothers and sisters. When God calls an individual, he said, it is always for the good of all, as in the case of Abraham and Moses, Peter and Paul. 
The final subject of Pope Francis's address was holiness as it occurs in families. As an example, the Pope presented the Polish couple Joseph and Victoria Ulmer and their seven children. They attempted to save Jewish families from the Nazis by hiding them in their home, but were all eventually caught and murdered. This Polish family, Pope Francis said, reminds us that sanctification is a community journey and can never be made alone, but only as part of a team. I'm Joseph Tullock. The gag order against Donald Trump in his civil business fraud trial has been temporarily suspended. Brian Shook reports. A New York appeals judge granted a request by Trump's legal team for an interim stay of the gag order, arguing it violates Trump's freedom of speech. The former president has been fined twice for apparent violations of the order, which the judge put in place following Trump's comments attacking the judge and his law clerk. I'm Brian Shook. Pope Francis yesterday addressed participants in an international congress on Venerable Maria Vigreda. And he said she had three offer, three lessons to offer the church and humanity, silence, mysticism, and mission. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the heart of St. Paul. G.K. Chesterton once wrote that the problem with Christians is that they act so unredeemed. Chesterton expected Christians to be a joyful people. St. Paul expects the same thing. In the midst of the ups and downs of his missionary journeys and the challenges that he had, he writes to the church at Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Even today, we worry a lot about politics and the economy and the culture, and we don't find, at first glance, much to be joyful about. Paul's response is that our lack of joy is the result of looking at things without the presence of Christ. God is not going to lower gas prices or fix the economy. That's not going to happen. But he constantly reminds us that we're not alone. As brothers and sisters of his son Jesus, we have hope in this life and in the next. As a church, we have the ability to help each other, especially the poor, the vulnerable, and the elderly along the way. As Christians, we are companions of Jesus Christ. By prayer to God of praise, thanksgiving, and petition, we have help nearby. Rejoice, no matter how low you may feel. You are not alone. The Lord is near. This is what the heart of St. Paul tells us. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and we hope that you are off to a great Thanksgiving week next week. But we know that many of you have lots to prepare for before you can even think about that. So we are praying for you as you head into the weekend. Bobby Schindler now joining us from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Bobby, as uh, I've been asking around various Sunrise Morning Show regular family members, is there any kind of Thanksgiving recipe you're known for, or do they make you stay out of the way? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think uh, 
it's embarrassing that my cooking abilities. I, I think uh, pasta and, and scrambled eggs are about the extent of it. Oh man! Well, do they at least make you scrub a pot at the end of it? Maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, more. I can clean up pretty well. All right, there you go. Well, that's you know, if if there's one thing you can say about Bobby Schindler, he can clean up pretty well. I mean, hey, yeah, that's, I, I mean, there's worse things I, that one is it. <laughs> that's something I place my say skills and talents to clean up afterwards. That's my contribution. Well, there you go. Well, we have some good news to get to this week, but there's also a story that's um, that's very frustrating and upsetting, and uh, frankly, a disappointment uh, regarding Baby Andy. I wonder if you could share us that update, uh, just because I know a lot of our listeners have been praying for that family. Yeah, sad. Sadly and tragically, Matt, uh, Indy was uh, was killed. Uh, her her life support was removed uh, last week after we spoke about her case. That the courts offered no relief to the parents to, to get her treatment, and unfortunately, as I said, she was killed. So please, I mean, keep the parents. I'm sure they're really going through a very difficult time. Time, obviously, uh, the whole situation was heartbreaking. It was uh, encouraging to see the support, the amount of support that she was receiving. I saw articles and just countless uh, entries or or, uh, comments on our Facebook page supporting uh, her life and treatment. So, uh, you know, God bless her parents, and and, uh, hopefully these types of cases will be, you know, we won't see more of these types of cases, but unfortunately I I, uh, anticipate we we probably will in the future. Well, and especially as we head toward the holidays, uh, keep that family in your prayers because I know this is going to be a very rough one. Uh, for all of them. Uh, but when it comes to this question of assisted suicide, I mean, we tell a lot of really unfortunate and upsetting stories. And when I saw that the American Medical Association was looking at changes to their questions regarding assisted suicide and what their official position was going to be, I was very, very worried. What actually happened? Right. I, I think a lot of people were really keeping a close eye on this. It kind of flew under the radar, as it typically does. Uh, so the American, they, they were trying, they were asking the American Medical Association, if they've done, I believe uh, Wesley Smith wrote about it, this is the fourth time they've, they've attempted to do this. They were asking them not to endorse it, but to simply go neutral on, on the question of assisted suicide, which is essentially... Uh, endorsing it, Matt. I mean, how do you stand neutral, doctors stand neutral on assisted suicide? But nonetheless, they went to a vote, and the American Medical Association, for the fourth time, rejected it. And some of the language, Matt, I mean, it's really encouraging. I, you know, I sometimes wonder, where are these doctors? Because it seems like the ones we're dealing with are, are not following, you know, what the, the American Medical Association is, is saying uh, regarding the, the treatment of patients. They they, they said uh, in this report that euthanasia is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as a healer and poses serious societal risk. They also said euthanasia could really be extended to incompetent patients and under vulnerable populations. And they went on to say physicians who perform, perform euthanasia assume unique responsibilities for the act of ending the patient's life. So, uh, and then they went on to, to, re- to reinforce and to remind people what physicians and doctors do, and, and the American Medical Association, that they should not abandon a Which patient once it's coming. Which is so basic. Like, I can't even believe we have to keep on bringing it up every week, segment after segment. Well, I think I think that's that's it, it's good to be reminded, but it's why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. And I and as I said, I mean, it, it just seems like 
you want to point some of these doctors to what their own association is saying, that they must respect the patient's autonomy, provide good communication and emotional support, and provide appropriate comfort care and adequate pain control. So it's just encouraging, Matt, that you have a, secular, a huge secular organization like the Medical Association really just reminding people just the, the, the role uh, as doctors, as healers, and, um, and not as merchants of death, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, you, you know, you read about how uh, Minnesota, Connecticut, Illinois, all just re- Illinois, all just recently, are strongly pushing uh, assisted suicide. And you know, Matt, there, there's also this very strong push to change the language once again. I guess they're seeing all the success in, and I say that facetiously, in in Canada using the the, the acronym MADE, which is yeah, medical, the aid medical and dying. assistance and dying. Yeah. Right. And they're really pushing this acronym now here in the United States. And there's three uh, aggressive made introductions that are happening uh, in Illinois, as I said, Connecticut and Minnesota right now. So we really need to keep an eye on our prayers on those three states and, and that uh, it doesn't move forward and the legislature rejects any attempt to uh, legalize what it is, Matt, it's doctors assisting in the killing of patients. Well, there are a couple things that you pointed out um, that the AMA was trying to remind people of in terms of what it means to be medical professionals. Uh, among them, respect the wishes and desires of the patient and their family, which is one of the things that you end up... I mean, when we talk about cases, it's usually because that thing's gotten violated. But the other thing being, uh, you know, when it comes to this whole question of, of what does it mean to provide comfort care when you know somebody is dying, your solution should not be like, all right, let's starve them for a week and a half. <laughs> you know, like it's insane to me that we're still even having this conversation. Right. And, and with all, as you, as you said, Matt, with, with, with all the advances uh, that we've made with pain control, uh, there's something like, it's, it's like in the, uh, last time I was reading about this and doing research, uh, comfort care and pain control now, they, they, they have percentages up in the upper 90s of being able to control any type of, of pain that is connected let to... Let them say goodbye, let them spend some lucid moments holding your hand. Like These are little things that matter a lot if you're a human being. Well, absolutely, and, and that's why we work so hard and, and, and advocate so, so hard and passionately for the proper care of, of these patients and, and, you know, when their family members are, are wondering what is going on, why are these decisions being made, why are they trying so hard to hasten uh, my loved one's death, why is she not getting proper comfort care in many cases. So, um, you know, we, we just hope we, we see, you know, I really hope this, you know, with the encouragement of the AMA and, and really there's, there is, um, seems to be a, a, a more attention to that because I think the uh, death of dignity people, uh, I say that in quotes, are, are really getting aggressive. And, and I think it's, it's starting to really awaken uh, many of the people here that have been kind of sitting on the sidelines, particularly on the assisted suicide issue. So, um, you know, with all this activity, I, I hope there's an increasing amount of pushback and, and people start understanding uh, the importance of, of fighting what they're trying to do because it really. Um, the consequences for for just people like you and I, I mean, it's just um, you can't measure uh, the impact that these types of 
laws and decisions are, are going to have on, on us and, and our loved ones. Well, Bobby, before we let you go, I know that for a lot of different people listening across our audience, Thanksgiving, Christmas, I mean, when the holidays come back around, you kind of remember who's not there. And, you know, sometimes you, you know, you kind of wonder, like, is this person okay? Like, you know, should I visit them in the nursing home? Like, what should I do? Like, for those people who have isolated members, medically vulnerable people in their families who maybe they're feeling that tinge of conscience, like, maybe this Thanksgiving I should go check on this person. Like, what would you say to, to encourage people to remember those of us those people in our in our circle of loved ones who are uh, perhaps more isolated than most, especially during the holidays. Yeah, I, I think too many too many family members and loved ones, when they're in those such situations, Matt, think that they're burdens and and and, and uh, they don't want to they don't want to trouble or or, um, or do anything that, that that's going to make their, their family members feel uncomfortable. Uh, but but just to simply visit. Uh, if, if you do have relatives or, or loved ones in nursing homes, I, I can't because we, you know, we all our own family, and I'm sure most families do experience or have loved ones that are in some type of situation, and just to visit them and, and let them know that you love them and you're there for them and they're not burdens, and, and show them the compa- compassion that they that they long for and they want. I mean, I think it's really important uh, that that you, you, you do that because it, 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 it could really mean a world of difference to them, and, and, and I think Thanksgiving and the holidays is a perfect time to remind them how much you love them and how you're there for them, and, and you'll never do anything that, that would, you know, other, other than to love them unconditionally. Honestly, Bobby, I have some pretty incredible memories of eating some terrible hospital mashed potatoes with some people who <laughs> couldn't get out, uh, but it was a chance to see them, like the one or two times of year that I could actually go see them. Uh, so don't neglect those times if you have that opportunity. Um, Bobby, if our listeners want to connect with you, how do they do so? Sure. It's lifeandhope.com, lifeandhope.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, Bobby Schindler. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone over there. Thanks a lot, Matt. God bless you. And a happy Thanksgiving to you. We're back with more right after this. It's 12 Till. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. 
and the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register, and together with Matthew Bunsen, I co-host Register Radio, where every week we talk to the Register's writers and editors about the news you need to know and offer authentic Catholic insight on the important stories that impact your life. Join us for Register Radio, Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern and Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, here on EWTN Global Catholic Radio. Tin Till, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. There are reports, multiple reports, saying a hostage deal may be in the works between Israel and Hamas that could free 50 women and children. The patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem are calling on their congregations to forego any unnecessarily festive activities during the Advent and Christmas seasons in solidarity with those suffering in the war in the Holy Land. And Pope Francis spoke yesterday to a conference on sainthood saying that there has been no period devoid of martyrs, including in our own day. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, we put the question out there earlier this morning since we're heading into Thanksgiving next weekend. And this weekend is probably when you're going to have to do the shopping. True. It just is. Uh, so the question to our For listeners For those of was, you who do not procrastinate like I do. Right. And then if, you uh, go and find what's left at the grocery store on Wednesday. I try, I try and stay ahead of the game. But we've got some great stuff from our listeners. So if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com, look into the comments on our Facebook post. So Jen does a mashed potato casserole. I want you to just Ooh. like think about the ingredients here. Okay. I'm listening. Mashed potatoes, butter, cream cheese, sour cream, garlic powder, topped with cheddar cheese, and baked. Now, wow. typically when I do my mashed potatoes, I only do either milk or like a sour mm-hmm. cream. Yeah. But this I, is one of those all salt. of the above. Milk and salt. It's it's an all of the above recipe. Yeah. I might try Jen's idea. It's pretty cool. Um, Barb, our pal from CatholicMom.com. Oh, yeah. Barb Shishkevitz, and I'm never going to pronounce her name right ever, uh, shared a recipe on our Facebook page for molasses crinkle cookies, which molasses Whoa. is one of the – it's like one of the underrated flavors of the season. Yeah. Because it goes in like gingerbread, it goes in a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, the molasses crinkle cookies look good; they look real good. Ricotta turkey stuffing from Tom. Yeah, I kind of want to know more about Tom's ricotta. ricotta For every stuffing. pound of ricotta, use two eggs. Wow. He posted. Okay, so let's put a shout out and appreciation to Tom, who took a um, a piece of actual notebook paper that has a handwritten recipe on it and screenshotted oh, it for us. this looks like, I mean, I don't think he just wrote this out. This looks like he's had it. This, somebody, else, somebody else it wrote this out, and he has kept up, it. It has been folded up and tucked into a cookbook for years and years and years, you can tell. All right. And it's very Italian. Stuff it in the bird or cook it on the side as a souffle. Oh. Wow. I'm getting excited already. Leah B. Levitt, Ooh. who is the person who... 
Uh, you hear her voice often. You hear her voice often. On the Sunrise Morning Show. On the Sunrise Morning Show. She talks about roasted root vegetables with honey, rosemary, and olive oil Ooh. caramelized on whatever root vegetable you like best. I would probably wow. go like beets and turnips, maybe some sautéed onions. Wow. She says parsnips and sweet potatoes as a good start. You know, the root veggies are a great – I mean, Rita Heikenfeld would back me up on this. Oh, absolutely. Root veggies are a solid, a solid base. If you're looking for something like substantial to put on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's And, of course, good. there are a few different people who have said something about green bean casserole. Anna Mitchell, are you a green bean casserole person or are you I am an not. anti? I am not a green bean casserole person. I actually make – my job for Thanksgiving every year is to make the broccoli casserole, which okay. is basically just broccoli and cheese. But it's – you know, you Do you put layer... like cream of mushroom soup in there? Or... Oh, no, no, no. It's basically you you do a layer of broccoli. So you I usually get frozen broccoli just because it's is easier. Is this a Ritz cracker one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So you've got the you, – you boil the, the frozen broccoli to cook it, and you do a layer of broccoli – salt cheese i like to use colby jack cheese because it melts better but you can use you know whatever cheese you want and then you just keep layering it until you get to the top and then you crumble ritz crackers over the top which is oddly satisfying it really if is. you've never like taken now, do you a hand stack. crumble them or oh, do you yes. put them in a ziploc oh no i hand them? hand crumble because those are, those are two different options. Like, if you're going to crumble something, you can either just, like, crush it in your fists or yeah. you can put it in a Ziploc. Well, you don't have to put Ritz crackers cr- in a Ziploc. That's what I'm saying is that it okay. is oddly satisfying to take a stack of Ritz and just, like, and then they just fall yeah. apart. And it's good. Yeah. You put it in the oven um, for, like, 45 minutes at, like, four 400. So yeah. simple. My mom, oh, you know, Rita didn't share this one this year. I need year. to look at this. I um, feel like we just got a post. Oh, no, we got a post. Oh, Somebody responded on the Facebook page. This is a Travis Smith. I don't know. Oh, oh, I've never heard of him. He says, okay, he says cream lettuce. Okay, I don't what? even know what this means. Travis. Sweetened condensed milk, can vinegar, we bring, and lettuce. Can bring we on Travis. Travis. Nobody ever gets to hear from Travis. I want to know like one with minute. one minute left. Travis, come running into the studio. Travis, we he's need coming, to hear from He's you. coming. Here he comes. Travis has dyed comes. his beer white because he's got to start playing Santa for the next four yeah, weeks. Starts, you don't believe okay. me, but I trust, right. trust you. Okay, I'm Travis, on. tell me. You're on. All right. Tell me about the so cream, cream lettuce. lettuce. What it is, it's just lettuce. Okay. Sweetened condensed milk and vinegar all mixed together. It's delicious. It sounds weird, but you all just have to mix that together to taste and just keep tasting the mixture until it's like sweet and uh, savory at the same time. It's okay. perfect. I don't know what I. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm my kind mind of is horrified kind of blown. by this. <laughs> it's perfect. You're horrified Every year, because you're a, chicken, you're a chicken nugget person. With I'll bring some Hannah Mitchell. Okay. I'm going to try this. He's going to bring with it in for me with cookies from Danielle Bean. It's oh going to be gosh. amazing. Who better to celebrate Thanksgiving with than your sunrise morning show? I know, food? right? I mean, Happy Friday, everybody. We'll be back again on Monday. Go to the grocery store now, not Tuesday. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. <laughs>